Well, we're rocking all over the world just like uh, the status quo. Of course, a great song. Uh, and we catch up with our very own Tamsin Gatewood, who gets up nice and early on a Monday morning. Tam, hello. Good morning, good morning. What time did you get to bed? You wouldn't have sat up all night watching until very late watching the tennis. When I went to bed, he was too sat down. Oh, I know. And I've just woken oh. to go, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know it was such a thrilling match in the end. I mean, the young kid, 22 years of age, uh, champion of the world. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? Sit oh, up. just incredible. Mm. Absolutely incredible. Um, I'm, I don't love tennis. I mean, I really enjoy watching it, but I'm not a massive tennis fan. I'm seriously considering finding some time uh, tomorrow night or today tonight to sit and watch the rest of it. Because I feel like I've missed out on something. Why not? Well, there'll be lots of highlights uh, in the various news services. I'll do that. Good thinking. I highly recommend you have a look at Channel 9. There will be a lot of that right throughout the day. Uh, I'll do that. A couple of things, uh, and I want to, there's so many great stories. Uh, but this one, the deadliest six months on Australian roads for a long time. And so we've got to look at answers. What's the, are there answers to be, to be had and where will they be found? There are answers. Uh, there are no answers at the moment, but yes, they can be found. So uh, the deadliest last six months on roads with road deaths, and they have been increasing um, for the last 10 years. Um, I will hasten to add that Queensland and WA have been decreasing slightly. Most of the increases happened in South Australia, Victoria and New South Wales. Um, the frustrating thing is the states have the data that will tell us why the road deaths are increasing despite all the safety measures that are in place. And they collect data about the quality of the roads, mm. the cause of the accidents, but they're not sharing that. Well, they haven't been asked to share that with the federal government. So they have all this data, but they have not currently collecting it at a central point. And they're looking through the data. So at the moment, they don't actually know the reason why. And if you don't know why, you can't do anything um, to stop it. There's a couple of theories which interestingly make a lot of sense to me because I listened to a podcast the other day about why America has the most pedestrian deaths in the world of any country. And it comes down to a few things, which is smartphones, uh, having a lot of automatic cars, and having a lot of big SUVs. And there's been a real increase in big cars in Australia um, particularly in the last 10 years. So there's some theories here, but until the, all of that data is collected um, and gone through uh, by some smart people and some smart algorithms, it's hard to know what it is that needs to be done because all the states and territories have got targets about reducing road deaths, and every single one of those are not going to be met. And particularly um, if the uh, states aren't talking to the feds. I mean, that's just yeah. bizarre if that is the case. Yeah, it is crazy. So, look, I think it looks like it comes down to money. There's a bit of a project whereby they need to collect their data, they need to check the data, and then come back to everyone and say, this is what's happening, this is the behaviour. Because it's going to be people behaviour, you know, coming up against machines and probably the quality of the roads. So then they can start doing something about it. Uh, you and I might uh, make the observation that uh, WA drivers are not fantastic, but uh, having been back here for some months now, I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, one of the things that frustrates me is uh, how many people just say to say they don't know which side of their steering wheel is the indicator, and if they do, we won't use it anyway. 
<laughs> or like me, they've got two cars with an indicator on either side, so they're putting the combination of their indicator and their windscreen wipers on all the time, so people still don't quite know what they're trying to do. Tell us about this uh, portrait that's about to be uh, auctioned that has allegedly been missing for, what, 100 years? Yeah, so Gustav Klimt was an Austrian painter. Um, for those who, the name's not familiar, might know because it's so it's so well known, the picture. It's a very big picture of two people um, embracing, and it's beautiful, almost mosaic sort of gold paper in there. I've actually been lucky enough to see the original in a museum in Vienna when I was about 20, many years ago when I was traveling. He does the most beautiful work, and he painted um, a Jewish industrialist uh, back in 1917. 1925 was the last time the picture was seen, uh, and it was with someone in, in her family. And then nothing until last week when this painting has surfaced. It's been with a family since the 1960s. Um, what's interesting is they don't know from 1925 to 1960 how it got into this family because, of course, a lot of art was stolen by the Nazis. Yeah, by during the, the war. Yeah. During the war, and mm. there's a very strict procedures now in place when things go to auction because they're looking at over a million dollars for this beautiful, beautiful painting. Um and so what's interesting is they said they're selling it on behalf of the current owners and the legal successors of the woman who's in the painting. Uh, but it is absolutely beautiful. It's also unfinished, but it's not unfinished in a major way. It still looks marvellous. Uh, and it will be going up for auction, I think, in the next week. So it'll be very interesting to see how much it makes. Yeah, let us know uh, when you hear about the price. Uh, too old to join Ireland's police force. How old do you have to be or... How old do you have to be before you can't join? Well, it, it used to be around sort of 40-ish. They've now raised it to 50. So unfortunately, I'm still a little bit too old. Having said that, I could join the police force if it was the Metropolitan Police in in London or the Northern Irish Police. Um, and they've raised it because there was actually illegal. There were a couple of guys who wanted to join. They were too old. Um, so they took them to court. They also, however, don't have enough police, and they're over a thousand below the target required. Having said that, I think one policeman said, "Look, there aren't many people in their fifties who, sort of financially and you know, commitment-wise, are, are free to join the police force." But it would be fascinating to be a police cadet at sort of fifty years old, next to an eighteen-year-old, which of course is how old you need to be uh, to join. And I don't know if they tend to go into, you know, desk jobs. I'm making a massive assumption here that they're not up to the task because I've met some incredibly sprightly 50-year-olds. I'm not one of them, so it's not going to be me. It'd be interesting to find out from uh, serving uh, officers. If you want to come and join us anonymously, feel free, uh, One double three six nine three. The idea of recruiting 40, 45, even 50-plus here in Victoria or indeed in South Australia because the need is so great. And if you could somehow harness that uh, amazing level of expertise that perhaps slightly older people have or bring to it over and above just agility, and I say that very, very kindly, I wonder whether there mm. would be value there. Oh, there has to be. Has to be. There absolutely has to be. Yeah, I'd also love to know. So 
call in and, and help inform us what you think the benefit would be yeah. of getting someone slightly more seasoned in life. Joining the police force with experience. One double three six nine three. Now, just finally, before we let you go, getting up nice and early, and I appreciate that for us. Uh, servos. Uh, I've been doing some pie tasting, uh, and one in particular is a thing called Pie Face, which is now available at some service stations. And I thought, well, I'll give it a crack. Wow, they are just <laughs> magnificent and they reassuringly expensive. Pie and do fabulous things with it. Yeah, they? I know. Well, this particular servo is a chain in New Zealand, and they have put forward one which one person has described as a delicious abomination, which immediately makes me want to try it. What is it? It's the spag bowl meat pie. So spaghetti bolognese in a pie, which I reckon I could absolutely try. I don't think it would be dreadful. What a great idea. Spag Spaghetti pie for you. <laughs> Some people put it on toast next day. Um, so if you're going to eat it on toast, I think putting in it, encasing it in delicious pastry with a bit of tomato sauce, if that's your thing, I'd definitely give it a crack. Yeah, uh, we will. We, why don't we have, we'll have some for breakfast uh, very shortly. Uh, it's great to talk <laughs> to you, Tams, and thank you. Tams and Gatewood, we catch up with every Monday morning.